Hello and welcome to this episode of the Horror Drafts Podcast. I'm your co-host, Brantley Palmer, joined as always by my fellow co-host, Mr. Nicholas Schwartz. Nick, how are you doing today? Doing well, Brantley. How are you? I'm doing all right, thank you. Uh, I'm doing especially good today, though, because we have a returning guest. Uh, he's the best accountant south of New England, the owner of a wicked stash, and the co-host of the Five Day Rentals Podcast, it's Mr. Cron Howard. Cron, how you doing? Brantley, doing great. So thrilled to be back here on Horror Drafts. Uh, this is one of my favorite podcasts, truthfully. Oh, wow. Oh, um, you flatter us. You That's do. That's so, so kind. kind. Yeah, we're yeah. excited to have you back here, man. I mean, yeah. I, I will, uh, I, I'll tell our listeners, uh, sometimes we have long gaps in between uh, uh, episodes, and it's something we're going to try to be better about, but you know, we're a very guest-dependent podcast, and Cron is uh, one of the few who will reach out to me often and be like, hey, when's that next uh, Horror Drafts episode coming? So, uh, but you know what? I really appreciate it. It's really sweet to know that uh, someone uh, cares about our podcast that much and really wants to hear more. I'm sitting Absolutely. at work in front of my computer thinking, why do I not have Horror Drafts playing right now? <laughs> well, we appreciate it, man. Thank you. It's uh, very motivating. Yeah, It is. You. Yeah. Yeah. It's nice having uh, fans who uh, who like your show. So it's uh, it's great. And it's super great to have you back and, and have you back on uh, an episode just you. You don't have to share the spotlight with Dan and Bones. It's just the Cron Show today. Yeah, that's right. You've heard the rest of 5DR. Now you get the best of 5DR. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Oh, man. Well... Cron, as a fan of the show, you know how we always kick it off. We like to just ease into it, see what you've been watching, listening to, reading, or otherwise enjoying. So uh, what have you been into lately? What have you been enjoying? Yeah, uh, I'm sure Bones might have mentioned this when he was on, but uh, Resident Evil 4 Remake <laughs> has been a mainstay. Uh, loved the game when it originally came out. Have loved the remake Uh equally as much i mean it's a great version of the game um and then kind of horror related i'm very slowly chipping away at stephen king's the stand oh nice so the full like unabridged version of it (laughs) i've made it 400 some pages in but Mm. i've still got about 800 pages to go at this point (laughs) so not about a third the way through yeah that's um that's quite the tome. It's actually it's it's one of my favorite of his books. That and the Talisman, I think, are like my two big ones. But I can't I can't read his epics anymore. I just, I don't have the time, you know. So I commend you for taking on such a challenge. That's that's wild. I've I've read a few of his, and like I feel like if you just you know go Google uh, best Stephen King novels, like The Stand is always up there, mm-hmm. and I've always put it off just because of the length of the book yeah. and. I was to the point where I was like, I should really just read this thing. Um, you know, I, I feel like I'm missing out by passing it over so many times. So Yeah, yeah. That's awesome, man. Uh, Nick, what about you? Um, no, I got nothing. Bones did indeed mention Resident Evil 4. I'm so, I'm like working through a back catalog of a couple games first, but I'm dying. Every, every day I'm on the Xbox store being like, I need to hit purchase, but... Haven't pulled the trigger yet. I'm very excited to hear that you like it as much as the original. I told Bones it's like easily probably my most played game of all time, the original. So I am very excited. Yeah, I think so for me too. Like I 
I think I beat the original four probably as recent as like a couple of years ago. So yeah, um, I've continued to buy it and play it on <laughs> every single system. Every time they release it. Yeah, me too. It's always great. It's always worth every penny. So I'm mm-hmm. excited for this. Nice. Um, I'll, I'll tell you a new horror film. I got a chance to, uh, to, to watch. Um, I saw knock at the cabin, the, uh, M night Shyamalan film. It, mm-hmm. um, Dropped on Peacock, I believe, because I think that's a universal film. Um, and uh, and I enjoyed it. I, I, you know, I'm a big fan of Paul Tremblay, and this is, of course, based on his book, um, The Cabin at the End of the World. Um, I'd read the book. I'd enjoyed the book. Um, it is different than the book, and I know that upset some people, which I get it. But I also get it from a filmmaking standpoint where you have to make specific changes sometimes. Um, and so I like them both in their own different ways, recognizing that they are two separate entities. Um, and I had a pretty good time with it. I liked it, um, a lot. I think Dave Bautista is killing it. I mean, I just, I think he's probably easily the best wrestler turned actor. And I think he's just willing to kind of put himself into so many different roles that wouldn't, um, that you wouldn't see a lot of other wrestlers put themselves in. You know, he's playing this very quiet character, and yet he's this massive hulking guy. Um, but he never uses, like, his size to his advantage in the film, as you would expect so many other uh, films to use his size. Just like um, he was in, like, Blade Runner 2049 uh, and stuff as well. I mean, and his performance is just great. You know, he kills it uh, in it. So... Um, I was a, I was a, I was a fan of this one. I liked it quite a bit. I understand if some people are turned off by it. I understand if they're not a fan of it, uh, especially if they were a fan of the book. But I liked them both, and I think uh, most people should be able to find it in their hearts to, <laughs> to enjoy uh, to enjoy both of these. Um, did either of you guys see Knock at the Cabin? I saw uh, it pretty not. recently as well. So. Oh, nice, nice. What were you think, Ron? Yeah. Uh, I liked it. I guess I wasn't kind of bummed out by, I feel like a lot of the stuff that people have mentioned to me, it was more just, it didn't really have much tension to it. And I feel like Mm. M night is so good at creating, you know, kind of (laughs) like tense, mysterious situations. Um, and to me, like, I, I guess the plot as it kind of develops, it's like all believable, you know, it's just. Like, there, I wasn't really doubting what, like, Batista's character was saying throughout the movie, you mm-hmm. know? So, oh, yeah. I, I, I think all of them were very, like, um, true to their convictions. Like, they, they never, like, were trying to put this on as some sort of ruse or anything. I thought it was very clear from the beginning that they were, like, true believers, essentially. Um, mm-hmm. And um, I think I know what you mean about the tension be, uh, because there's a certain element to the film and I don't want to say anything to like spoil it, but um, actions have to be made by specific characters. It can't be, um, you know, adjusted by others. So in that sense, it sort of takes away, I think a little bit of tension. So I do, I do know exactly what you're, what you mean in that regard. Um, and I hope that's not too much of a spoiler or anything for folks. Um, but anyway, I thought I thought it was uh, was pretty um, decent. So if people um, 
like Shyamalan or, or like the book, I, I think they should check it out. Or if they like Dave Bautista, because he's great in it. Yeah, uh, I kind of dinged it there, but I would recommend it as well. Like, I okay. had a, <laughs> it was a good watch. So Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay. Right, we all went. We all discussed uh, Resident Evil Four. Getting a lot of play here these past few episodes, which is uh, great. Uh, I mean, it seems to be all anyone can talk about right now. It's it's Resident Evil Four all the way. Um, but this is a uh, this is a drafting podcast, folks. We're here to to do a draft, and fitting because uh, peek behind the curtain, the NFL draft starts tomorrow. No, wait, a week from tomorrow. Did I just mix that up? <laughs> anyway, whatever. Uh, but we're in draft season in the NFL and playoff season and like hockey and uh, the NBA. But Cron uh, came to us with a topic. He said he wanted to draft animal horror films. And he was very clear, like any type of animal, like the lowest insect to the biggest giant, you know, animal. They're all on the table. Uh, and we said, hell Yeah. Let's do that. Kron, tell us a little bit. Why 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 this topic? Why animal horror? What what drew you to that? I've got a couple reasons here. Mm-hmm. Number one, just completely selfishly, I think there's a movie that's kind of like an underappreciated gym. Yeah. That I kind of reverse engineered the draft because I was like, <laughs> I just want to talk about this one movie. Um, what's like a broad enough category that I can throw out there that would open it up to, you know, at least 14 other films possibly. So that was reason number one. And then two, I really think like when I just think about animal attack horror movies, um, I think if you ask the average person, there would be like two kind of top tier movies in this category that Mm -hmm. you could make a list and show it to almost anyone. And they would be like, yeah, those are classic movies, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, but honestly, outside of those two, I think that this category really gets into like, what's your personal taste? So, (laughs) um, it was kind of like an exciting draft topic because I feel like you could go a lot of different directions Mm -hmm. with, you know, they've been, they've been making these since like black and white, you know, late forties, fifties kind of stuff, like all the way up to current day. So oh, yeah. just kind of like, what pool do you want to pull from? Cause it's available. Oh yeah. Yeah. This is a, Nick and I were kind of chatting earlier today and we we're like, yeah, this is, feels like a really wide open category, you know, like there's a lot that you can kind of pull from just, uh, you know, depending on, like you say, like where, where your tastes lie, <laughs> you know, and there's a broad history for it. So that's awesome, man. Um, I'm excited to get into it. Nick, any other questions for, uh, for Kron before we start? Sorry, I was just looking at my list to see. Um, no, I think, I think I'm good. Okay. All right. I think I'm good. I'm ready. Um, oh, I guess I should ask Kron, did you have any criteria for the animal attack horror like certain things that wouldn't count or some that would anything that because i mean obviously you're the commissioner in this draft so you're going to have all the power here you can veto picks you know of course nick and i won't be able to so is there anything we should steer away from let's put it that way you know i don't know i'm pretty lenient as a commissioner i would say Mm -hmm. uh to me the only stuff that i really tried to like rule out for me personally um like i thought about a movie like 
the thing yeah which does have a horrific scene that involves a dog Mm -hmm. but at that point it's not really a dog anymore you know so yeah it's um, an alien yeah yeah so for me i tried to limit it just to like no this is truly an animal attacking a person or uh attacking another animal like you know that's as long as it's an animal and it's attacking you're basically good to go. <laughs> okay, because I, I took that same approach. So I didn't put things like The Thing or Slither on my list because those were aliens who were just inhabiting mm-hmm. uh, animal form, whether it's actual animals or humans, uh, you know, on Earth. Uh, and then I stayed away from any humanoid creatures. So like Creature from the Black Lagoon and Humanoids from the Deep. Like I was like, eh, you know, are those like true animals kind of thing um so i stayed away from those as well so i'm sort of on the same boat as you just like specific animals attacking people uh and none of that other um fancier stuff so (laughs) i will say without giving anything away that there's definitely one entry on my list which you can absolutely veto and i won't be upset because it's i will admit freely it's probably not horror but um, oh, I feel like okay. it fits in this category. I really do. Mm. So I could make a case for it. But okay. Vita, I won't be I, upset. I had a few of those, too, where I was like, it's like on the verge of mm. horror. It's like, you know, maybe more of a thriller, but it's got a lot of horror elements. Mm. Um, yeah, but okay. I don't know, man. I mean, as long as it's not a alien or something. <laughs> no, 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 no. no uh, animals are involved for sure. Yeah, no. Okay. It's more a genre question than it is an animal question. <laughs> yeah. So we'll see. All right. Uh, Well, before we begin, we rolled our trusty four-sided die to determine the order. Uh, I will be going first, and then it will be Nick, and then our wonderful guest, Kron. He'll come in third, but we all know that that means he's just going to get the back-to-back, get to get that first pick of the second round. So without further ado, let's begin the draft. Uh, With the first pick of the first round, I am on the board. Kron mentioned when he was talking about this topic that, you know, there's a couple big ones that people usually think of, you know, when they're talking about animal attack horror, right? And, I mean, I don't mean to be just, you know, so boring or basic, basically, to start off this draft. But, you know, with the number one pick, you got to go with the heavy hitters. So, you know, this is a one-word Animal attack film, just a handful of letters. I think everyone knows exactly what it's going to be. Some would say robbed of best picture. Nick, we're going to need a bigger boat for all the mail we're going to get about this pick. Because I'm taking ticks with the number one pick in the first <laughs> round. Oh, my God. Well oh, done. yes, sir. Um, I just crossed <laughs> the other one off my list. I know. The preamble. Yeah. Yep. I, I did try to throw people off with that one. Um, you did. This, I it believe, worked. was my number one pick in the eco-horror draft as well. Um, I absolutely love Ticks. I think it is, like, Kron, you mentioned some uh, underrated gems. This, I think, is one of the best underrated gems in the entire horror genre. And in the 90s uh, horror decade, um, it is just such a blast. It has everything you could want in a movie right it's got carlton from fresh prince of bel-air it's got uh clint howard right and it's got him trying to grow weed with a uh 
some <laughs> jacked up fertilizer or something out in the woods. It's got giant, uh, it's got ticks that become giant because they get mutated by it with just killer awesome uh practical effects uh seth green is in it great performances all around it's schlocky it's fun it's silly it's amazing uh speaking of vinegar syndrome they put out a release of this on blu-ray and it is beautiful um ticks is such a blast and i would highly recommend it to anybody that is my first pick what year is this movie I want to say 93. Let me go ahead and double check real quick. Oh, it's later than I thought. Yeah, Yeah, so Uh I remember this movie only for the fact that, like, I was still too young to, like, really be watching horror movies. Mm. Uh, But I think we were on vacation somewhere, and this might have, like, been, I don't know if it was just, like, the private, like, motel, you know, like movies that are available sure but i think there was just like a trailer for this and i saw a giant tick and like turned the tv <laughs> off too scared I, yeah it freaked me out so yeah uh yeah it is 93 by the way 93 wow. uh yes yeah I, uh, brian yesna was a uh, producer on it but it's directed by tony randall um for anyone um familiar with him uh, he also directed Defcon 4, Godzilla 1985, Hellbound, Hellraiser 2. Oh, no, wait, sorry. Oh, that's why not, I know his name. Yeah, Hellbound, Hellraiser yeah, 2. Sorry, he right. did not direct Godzilla 1985. He wrote it and produced it. But um, he directed right. Defcon 4, Hellraiser 2, uh, Hellraiser... Uh, no, he wrote Hellraiser 3, sorry. Uh, he directed Amityville 92, It's About Time. I have oh, not seen one of that the best one. subtitles for any movie. <laughs> that one's pretty sick. That one's great. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, but I think this is the, I mean, I know a lot of people love Hellraiser too, and, uh, it's a good movie, but I think this is the cream of his directing crop. Um, Tix is just a blast. Nick, have you seen Tix? I actually have not seen Tix. Um, uh, so, okay. Um, yeah, no, I, I, uh, you've, this is the second Maybe wait, how many times have you drafted that? I know you this did for Eco. Did it come up again? In nineties, I drafted it. That's right. Okay. Too. Yeah. Yeah, I yep. have to watch it. It's obviously a gaping hole in my repertoire. I mean, it's just fun. You know, it's just a blast. So, yeah, there you go. Well, that's my number one pick and the first pick of the entire draft. It couldn't have gone to a better film. I can't think of any animal attack <laughs> horrors that are more critically lauded than that one. Um, Nick. You are on the board now with the second pick of the first round. All right. All right. Great way to start it off. Great, great pick. And uh, thank you. Look, the field is, uh, the board's wide open here. So I, mm-hmm. you know, I could easily go with the movie that you strongly insinuated you were going to go with. Um, and perhaps I should, but I'm not going to. I am going to pick not necessarily my top one on this list, but I. And I, I don't know why, but I have a suspicion it's going to be chosen eventually. Um, but I'm not sure. But I'm just going to grab it now. Um, Black Sheep from 2006. Oh, fun. Uh, direct, directed by Jonathan King. Um, and uh, I, this is one I just saw for this podcast, for this episode. I hadn't seen it. Been meaning to for a long time. I'd read good things. It's, um, look, it's a, <clears throat> it's a really fun, like, this is an animal attack movie if Peter Jackson directed it. And I'm not just saying that because it's a New Zealand film. Um, but the fact that it is from New Zealand, like the 
scenery um and obviously the accents like certainly contribute to that but the style is like straight out of peter jackson's playbook the humor is straight out of his playbook um you know weta or weta digital uh no sorry it was weta workshop it wasn't the digital brand uh who did the Ah. effects work but um really i mean for a low budget movie really great practical effects work and um yeah it's a it's just so much fun it's a blast it's very gory at the end um it's got great effects i don't know if you've either of you have seen it but i really enjoyed it i was surprised at how much i liked it Nice. No, this is one I, I knew of because this came out when I was in the video store working there and everything in college. I just never watched it, but I always heard good things from people and I just never got around to it. Yeah, I've been meaning to see it forever and it's uh, free on Plex right now. It's one of the Plex's oh, nice. streaming movies. So I just was like, I, I got it. It's time. And uh, mm. I'm definitely not sorry I did. It was great. Awesome. Yeah, I'm in a similar boat. boat. I even had this written down on like a list of like if I can get to it. I'll check this one out, but yeah. didn't have enough time. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I recommend it if you do get around to it. It's worth it. The uh, that's basically the motto of this podcast. I I had a long list of movies to watch to prepare, and I only got through like six or seven instead of twenty or whatever. <laughs> yeah, usually, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, Kron, you're on the board here with the third pick of the first round. What do you got, guys? I. <clears throat> I hate to say it, but I don't think the big one is going in the first round here. Because um, I'm going with the movie that made me create this draft topic in the first place. Uh, 1974, directed by Saul Bass, Phase Four. Oh, nice. Have you guys seen this movie? I'm not I have with not. This I've heard no. of it. All right. No. So this is a movie. Um, like the animal in here is ants and it's yeah. basically these two scientists um they can like pick up a communication that's happening between ants like they happen upon it and they realize that like there are a bunch of different ants from all different species like working together to build a giant thing out in the desert um and they're like running out of funding so they basically just decide to like blow it up and see what happens <laughs> and <laughs> It totally goes to shit from there. Um, so it is this kind of like, like in its premise, it's almost a goofy B setup for a horror movie. Mm. Um, but Saul Bass was like this legendary movie poster designer, and he did like a bunch of opening title credits and stuff. Yeah. Yes. And the movie is just so visually appealing. Um, mm. I would almost, cons- like other people might not agree, but I would almost consider this to be like, the 2001 of animal attack movies because it is so bright. Like there is a scene where these two scientists just start like raining this, uh, like chemical pesticide across a field. And it's a shot of just people running through it as it like rain. And it's like this crazy neon yellow color. Like all the colors just pop so insanely hard in this movie. Um, and I don't know, man, it's, all the ant stuff is like real footage that he took of ants. Um, so it's like, none of it is like a guy in a costume or anything. It's like true, uh, you know, close up photography of ants. Um, and I don't know. It's just like, I saw this movie probably for the first time, uh, let's say like four to five years ago. And there are literally days where it just pops into my head where I'm like, phase four is a fucking crazy movie. Um, (laughs) Like out out of the blue, I'll just think about this movie still. Um, 
rewatched it for this, bought the soundtrack on vinyl after the rewatch because it's like this crazy early mixture of like jazz and electronic synthesizers. Um, it's just a really, really creative movie, like from start to finish. Uh, the horror setup for this, I think, is great, too. Like, you know the movie is phase four, and the first thing you see is, like, phase one. So hmm. the entire time you're going through the movie, it's this constant build up to the finale. Um, but, yeah, just a great movie. I really think people should check this out. Um, it's phase four. Nice. This was the only film, Saul ba- the only feature-length film Saul Bass directed. I was just going to ask... If someone yeah. could look that up, because I was not I, aware that yeah. he directed anything. No, he, uh, yeah. he 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 did a number of shorts, and in fact has an Oscar for a documentary short subject called "Why Man Creates" that came out in '68. So he won an Oscar for directing that, uh, and that was also put into the National Film Registry in 2002. But this was the only feature-length film that he directed. He also got nominated for two other shorts that he made. Um, but he did a bunch of Hitchcock posters and stuff and title sequences and stuff. I'm seeing like Anatomy of a Murder um, and Vertigo. He did those posters. And then yep. he also did um, The Man with the Golden Arm and among others. Yes, his biggest contribution to this podcast is, of course, the Shining poster. Um, there you go. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Huge. Well, now now it's horror. having directed Phase 4. Now, yeah, no, I, yeah. totally. I mean, The I, Shining's come up more, but now we're no, talking I, about one of the movies he's directed. Oh, and like... Uh, the the story for how this movie came to be like this is just what I heard anecdotally on something else Um, but it was like he went out to dinner with um, like an MGM executive and it was the 70s you know early 70s so there were a lot of kind of like crazy ideas for what movies should be Mm -hmm. but I guess this executive just asked him like hey Saul what are you working on and he jokingly said a movie about ants. And the guy was like, I want to be in the Saul Bass business. Like, <laughs> let's get this bad boy funded and get it out there. So I think he just kind of like fell backwards into making this movie to begin with. Um, yeah, that's awesome. Weird. Yeah, that's great. I lo- God, man, stories of Hollywood in the 70s just sounds so wild. I mean, my God, you listen to like half of them and it's just like, how did, how did, how is this allowed to happen? Then you remember the seventies and lots of Coke and stuff like that. And you're like, Oh yeah. Okay. There you go. But I knew the, I knew the poster for this, right? Like, so that the hand yeah. reaching up with the ant and stuff coming out and the blood on it. Like that was like, um, the only connection I have to the film before you're just kind of, um, uh, uh, you know, heralding it here for us. Um, because it's so like iconic, which totally makes sense. Knowing, <laughs> knowing now his background. Well, and it's weird because I don't, uh, I think I read something that like he didn't do the poster and he didn't do the opening credits for this. Like, <laughs> so I don't, why did they have him make the film and not like <laughs> do the things he's most known for? Yeah. But yeah. Who, who knows? Well, but you yeah, know, the, maybe he signed off though. Maybe he was like, oh, that's the one right there kind of thing or something. Yeah. I think the poster is like pretty iconic now too just yeah. because it's like literally just a hand with like a hole and an ant yeah crawling exactly out of it, so yeah <laughs> yeah it's pretty killer well that's awesome yeah no i'm gonna have to uh add that to the list of uh of films to watch as uh, as happens every time we do an episode where we just get a bunch of movies that we haven't seen yet that now we get added to the watch list that we need to that's my favorite out. part of this podcast i mean yeah. that's not obviously 
hosting this with you, Brantley, is my favorite part of the podcast. Um, oh, yeah. Well, and then, of, of course, course, getting to meet wonderful guests that come yeah. on and everything. But after yeah. the human interactions, it's building the watch list, right? Yeah, you know what? That was like just pure hyperbole. It's like one of my least favorite parts of this podcast. <laughs> Fuck that part. <laughs> oh, man. Well, Kron, uh, excellent pick in the first round, but you got the back-to-back here. You're up with the first pick of the second round. I guess it is time to take it. It's Jaws. It's 1975. <laughs> Steven Spielberg. Uh, it's kind of got to be on the list, right? It's I gotta. mean, we can't get all the way through this thing and one of us not pick it. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's just a great movie. It's, uh, I don't know. You could watch it every year around the 4th of July. You'll never get sick of it. Um, and the last time I watched this uh, was actually preparing for one of uh, like George's episodes for Best Little Horror House. Hmm. Um, but it is it is so crazy just to see how masterful Spielberg is at making movies. Like there are so many parts of this that are really, really long takes. And it's like, unless you're paying attention, you don't even notice them. They just mm-hmm. fold into the movie so completely. Um, and I don't know. I mean, Quint's monologue, like you know, the, the shark at the end and what they end up doing with it. Like there's no end to the things that you could say about this movie and why it deserves to be here. But, um, I'm amazed it made it out of round one mm-hmm. probably should have been in round one. It's, it's the best animal attack movie out there. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If we were drafting based on like the quality of the film and not simply personal favorites, it would probably be number one with a bullet. Absolutely. Well, that's a great pick. Probably the yeah. the most value in the draft here in the second yeah. round, picking up Jaws. I mean, if we were still doing like reaches and steals, that's that's front runner for steal of the draft. I got to sure. Yeah. yeah, that's the most deserving on the list. I'm sure. Absolutely. Yeah, and I mean, it's just. I mean, everyone's you know heard the myriad of legends about the film and everything. So I don't yeah. know if we're gonna add too much more to it. But it was, I mean, it is just like a stone cold classic. And uh, you're talking, you'd mentioned some of the long takes and everything, but just some of the really fun use of uh, camera work they do, you know, those dolly counter zooms and stuff like mm-hmm. that. And uh, just the wonderful dialogue, you know, the, they, they kill it. Every, everything about this movie is amazing. I mean, it's just, it's crazy to think it had such a troubled production and came out to be such a absolute masterpiece in the end. It's, it's wild. Absolutely. All right. Didn't, oh, sorry. One of the legends. No, I mean, I'm, I, everyone knows. There was, there was a long pause, and I was like, are we, I didn't know if I should just throw to you or what. Sorry, Nick. No, no, no. I'm sorry. I was going to ask this question. I didn't know if you were, had more. And I was just, um, obviously, there's, you know, Bruce, the legend of Bruce the shark mm-hmm. and the mechanical, and all that crap. But I think more recently I was reading, and I, hope, I assume it's true. I forget where I read it. Um, more about like Spielberg's state of mind while making that movie and like even throughout production, how sure he was that it was going to kill his career and how he mm. like had a breakdown one night during production. Um, like, you know, wondering if he should quit and just like, he was so certain it was going to be a failure and it wasn't going to come together. And like, here it is. And I'm sure it's still fondly remembered by many people as like one of his best movies of all time. Not just one well, of his best movies, but one of the best movies. I mean, it's invented the blockbuster. Yeah. 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 I think they had like so much stuff fall apart during production, right? And they, it literally just came down to like, okay, this is how we have to shoot the scene because we can't do it any other way. One of, 
yeah, like one of the three ways that I wanted to. So, um, yeah, it's almost like all the stuff that went wrong made this a better movie somehow. So, yeah. So yeah. Cool. And I mean, I mean, who wouldn't have like, who, who wouldn't have a breakdown when everything is going wrong about their movie as they're making it? Um, oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm not seeing the, uh, oh no, here we go. Yeah. Steven Spielberg that Jaws would ruin his directing career. Um, uh, but during the troubles that ensued with Jaws, Spielberg didn't even think he would have a career at all. As the production went increasingly long and the budget ballooned, uh, word started spreading around town that perhaps Spielberg wasn't the most dependable director in the business. Um, yeah, there we go. It doesn't go into this this thing I'm looking at. Doesn't go into too much more detail about it. But uh, well, that's that's yeah. I mean, Jesus, like every everything goes wrong on the set. Like who and you're making your. F- this was his feature film debut. I know he had made a um, a was couple. Duel. Uh, well, yeah, yeah, but that was a TV was made for movie TV. and something. And then he evil. did an he did episode of. Um, uh, he did Eyes or The Eyes or The Eye. I forget what it was, but it was an episode of like a Twilight Zone esque show. I forget mm-hmm. what the name of the show was. Um, yep. And that was like one of his, and that was a short, obviously, and it was for television. So yeah, I think yeah, was it his feature debut? I guess it was. Uh, I'm trying to look it up right now. I mean, was uh, was Eyes for um, Outer Limits or? It wasn't Outer Limits either. It was another. Okay. Um, it was a, a short-lived one, I believe, like just a few episodes. Yeah, Outer I mean, I, Limits. The Inner Limits. <laughs> the. Inner... <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> but I do think it was uh, Rod Serling, right? Isn't that? Who did Twilight Zone and Outer Limits? Did he do Outer Limits? Also? I think he was uh, involved as well. Good question. Oh no, no, no! I'm sorry. It's not his. It's not his feature length debut. Sugarland Expresses. That's, oh uh, yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. I always forget he did that because he did um, something evil and um, Duel as TV movies, and then Sugarland Express was his um, feature debut, theatrical debut. So. Oh, okay. And then Jaws. Yep. And then Jaws. Yeah. Although, wait, hang on a sec. I'm seeing ah. that in 1964, he made an amateur feature film called Firelight, which possibly just was never was never like distributed. Maybe. Well, I if don't we know. Can't, if we can't count Duel, we can't count firelight yeah well <laughs> well with duel though they like extended it and put it in theaters i think they, they right. made it a, yes. they made an extended theatrical version it after did get a release. Like, it did it as a tv movie so it's like i don't really count that because it starts as a tv movie but you know i mean anyway here we go All right. night gallery it ran oh night gallery yeah and rod yeah. serling was indeed involved yes okay so what was that early 70s yeah yeah i think it debuted in 1970 okay all right yeah that would that would make sense all right awesome um okay well that's the big one off the board uh nick you're up now with the second pick of the second round all right i'm gonna go with another one that i watched uh for the first time in prep for this episode uh one that i've been meaning to watch for a long time and this was a perfect excuse so cron thank you again um Checking things off my list here, left and right with this show. It's great. Um, yes, so one I, I've been meaning to watch for a couple years now, 1984's Razorback, directed by oh. Russell McCulhey. Or Mul- I don't know how he pronounces his last name, but Mulcahy, whatever. And I think that's his feature film debut um, about a giant killer boar. And 
it's got all the great tropes of a animal attack movie or, or that sort of B horror level of uh, you know there's one old man who who is blamed for an animal attack at the beginning and he swears it was a giant boar but nobody else has ever seen it and everyone thinks he's crazy and he goes into you know he's basically a recluse for many many years and then oh sure enough the boar returns and <laughs> you know what beyond that like really really campy and and kind of uh cliche setup uh the movie plays itself surprisingly seriously i don't there's it, it's not meant to be humorous there's no you know it doesn't ever play itself for with any deliberate humor in mind um and it's like surprisingly well i mean he's visually i think he's a pretty good director um or can be and um i think the cinematography and the colors um are all used to really great effect but also like the effects work is limited and you don't see that much of the the uh titular creature um and uh when you do it's in pieces and it's underlit and it's actually really effective um and uh yeah it's a fun movie i really enjoyed it i was i was very surprised this is one of those movies that um you know it's a it had a warner brothers clamshell vhs release which was very cool looking always when i was little and i was like i gotta see it someday and and i finally did and it was worth it nice so they pulled the jaws with it they didn't show much of the creature and it was all the better for it exactly exactly although i don't know if they did have a full mechanical bore that like malfunctioned and then they had to do something else like in jaws or if the intent was never to show much of it but yeah either way it worked out well very cool have you seen this one cron yeah so i watched this uh preparing for this as well and i think just based on like how big the head of the boar is when you see it. I don't know if they could fit it all into a frame anyway. I mean, the thing is massive. That's uh, exactly right. I, I really like this movie. Um, there's like really interesting stuff with uh, all the people in it too. Um, Cause there's kind of like a reporter that goes down to check out this giant boar. Yeah. Um, and there are kind of these like local, you know, I don't know, uh, shitty people that kind of, she, has an encounter with, but whenever her, uh, like husband comes to look for her, he kind of like falls in with those guys for, you know, a section of the movie where yeah. he's like with them. And it's kind of this like tense thing of like, is this guy going to figure out, you know, that these people aren't go- any good, you know? Yeah. It's an interesting dynamic and you know, it's got, and this isn't really a spoiler because it happens at the very beginning, but it does have a little bit of that psycho element where like they're setting up that reporter to be the main star of the movie and she's knocked out pretty early on. And then her husband comes and basically takes her spot, Um, Mm -hmm. uh, which was, I gotta be honest, I was not expecting her to, to just be removed from the film so quickly. Um, Yeah. I enjoyed it. I like his movies. I'm, he's done a couple, uh, I think underappreciated horror films. What else and by a couple, there? I mean this and Resurrection from, I think, 1999, and that's it. Oh, okay. But, gotcha. yeah. His, uh, his shots at night in this movie are really, really good. Like, everything is so, like, just foggy and, like, uh, kind of, like, scary looking, honestly. It's, like, these, uh, you know, like, barren trees out in the desert of Australia, and it just looks kind of, like, I don't know, someplace you would not want to be lost, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, 
it, it's all you know it's like an outback horror film and so like a lot of the daytime colors are just like drab and brown and rusty but then like at night he really uses blues um to like really great effect um and uh so it, it's like it ba- really balances out because you have these like really rich saturated blues all of a sudden in this otherwise like a really brown landscape and it's just it's cool looking nice uh okay so i'm on the board here with the final pick of the second round <clears throat> you know personally to me there's another big one on here but i think i gotta go to the commissioner here because i don't know if the commissioner's going to agree that this is horror to me personally this is kinder trauma there's a bunch of scary elements in it even if it's not scary all the way through hang on to your butts i'm talking about jurassic park for again from 1993 I'm sticking in the 1993 year here. Uh, a man sitting on the toilet gets eaten by a T-Rex. I've never felt safe in a bathroom ever since. <laughs> You've got all this scary stuff with velociraptors running around. Those tiny little dudes with the is it Dilophosauruses with their necks pop out and spray at uh, Wayne Newton there. No, but not Wayne Newton. <laughs> Wayne Newton. <Wait>, no. <laughs> Wait, Newton made it into. <laughs> Wait, I watched a I watched a bootleg of it. I guess. Um, uh, is your is your question whether it's not horror or whether they're not animals? I'm curious. No, no. Now. Oh well, di- I mean, come on. I mean, I think dinosaurs are definitively animals. Yeah, even so if that's they why lived sixty-five sure million years ago. It was more. I need to give it to the commissioner to make sure he approves that it is considered horror for the purposes of this draft. So that's I'm leaving it in your court, Kron. Uh. I absolutely love Jurassic Park. This is one of my all-time favorite movies. I looked at, like, I thought about drafting this as well. Mm -hmm. And I just, again, like, Googled, is Jurassic Park a horror movie? And I found all these people being like, no way, dude. It's like a, it's just a thriller, like an action adventure. But to me, if you count Jaws, you have to count Jurassic Park. Like, it's kind of the same general setup, so... Jurassic uh, Park I, has more traditional horror elements, even. I mean, yeah. the, kitchen, I agree. the kitchen scene is like a set piece right out of a slasher film. Yeah. Got, like, oh, man. Definitely. The T Rex attack at night. Like, those are, yeah, he uses a lot of horror elements. Yeah. yeah I would 100% count this. Like, nice. I was just more perplexed by how can people consider one horror and the other not. So, <laughs> that is really bizarre. Yeah. Yeah. It's weird. I mean, this is the thing. Like, you know, on this podcast, we don't try to gatekeep it. We, we, you know, we try to have this big umbrella that everything can fit under because horror is such a like versatile genre, and like so much can can be horror. Uh, but it is weird that like online people get weirdly defensive about what does or doesn't constitute a horror movie. Like, I see con- people constantly say that Silence of the Lambs is not a horror movie, which is sort of wild to me yeah i mean the you know the studio used thriller but they were intentionally trying to market it so that it wouldn't be considered a horror movie but it absolutely is you know it's just anyway it's just a wild sort of people are weird in terms of the expectations they have for a genre and not and as our friend george says genres are all made up it's all fake who cares (laughs) you know yeah yeah yeah, what were you saying, I, Nick? No, I was just, I, I'm just, again, I'm going back to Jaws versus Jurassic Park and how much quicker I'd argue that Jurassic Park is a horror movie. I mean, Jaws mm. has like none, it's all broad daylight. Not that it isn't a horror movie, because I would consider it a horror movie, but if you're making the argument that one isn't, I would definitely argue that Jaws is less of a horror movie. I mean, like, I mean, mm. that people are like, that. he invented the summer blockbuster. And what other yeah. summer blockbuster have you ever heard of that is a horror movie? 
None. I mean, that's not Jurassic how Park. they're defined. Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so Spielberg has both, and that's it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but, no, yeah, and I, it's. It, I think part of it's a progression of like filmmaking and, and of the genre over time. I'm sure in 75, you know, Jaws was far more scary to audiences than those looking at it now. Uh, similarly, you know, people who were kids when Jurassic Park came out but are adults now may not consider Jurassic Park a horror because like they watched it when they were kids. So if you watch it as a kid, it can't be horror kind of thing unless it's scars you for the rest of your life or something. <laughs> so, right. uh, sorry, Cron, I kind of stepped on you. What were you saying? Oh, no. I mean, uh, I do think, like, if we are just thinking about this as a horror movie, like, they do have so many set pieces throughout that are, like, tension building and actually, mm. I mean, I I was a kid when I first saw this, but I remember being scared in the theater, like, watching <laughs> Jurassic Park. So, you know, if, yeah. it, if it elicits, elicits, like, feelings of dread or terror or being afraid, like what more do you want from a horror movie? I mean, that's the whole point of it. So, (laughs) um, yeah, I I love this pick. Like nice. This, if I had not gone with jaws out of, it has to be here. This might've been my second selection. Oh, wow. All right. All right. Well, thank you. I appreciate the, uh, the approval from the commissioner there. Um, that wraps up the second round and, uh, I'm back on the board here to draft, uh, the first pick of the third round. Will I stay in 1993? Let's find out. Uh, I am going to take, uh, I'm going to take crawl from, was that 2019, Nick? Yes, 2020? It was. Okay. Yeah. Crawl. Uh, um, did a- you want to, I just realized you didn't really get a chance to talk about Jurassic Park, though, I feel like we we oh, stole that platform. No, from no, no. I no. What what more is there to say about Jurassic Park? I mean, we we've we've talked about it a bunch. It's fantastic. There's lots of great scary stuff in it. I mean, you know, what a killer film. I you know, I think some part of the people not wanting to think it's horror is that there's it's filled with a sense of wonder too. You know, there's so many like great shots and of like the brontosauruses and stuff and you know, these beautiful like fields and things that you see there at the park. So, you know, that sort of kind of colors people's expectations for the film, I think too. But yeah, for yeah, sure. I mean it's the the whole thing is a <laughs> the whole thing is a um uh, what's the name for the, uh, uh, you know, it's like a warning about not, you know, doing this, not playing God and trying to bring back these creatures that would tear us apart and kill us. Um, anyway, yeah. So I don't, I don't have a ton more to add, but I will talk about Crawl now because uh, this is a fantastic movie. There's a lot of good Gator slash Croc titles on my list, for instance. And so this was kind of actually a, you know, which one do I choose here? And um, not to stay, like, too, like, current, but I think it's just, like, super well done. I mean, I always love when, you know, horror films can, like, really master one location because it's, like, such a difficult challenge to give yourself. I mean, sometimes it's a budgetary constraint with low-budget films where they just, they need to shoot in one location and just for budgetary reasons. But, you know, this is, like, a, you know, a, a, a decent-sized budget film, but, like, they really, like make it work and like what a fun weird premise for a horror movie too like there's this massive flooding from a hurricane and her dad gets trapped down in his house and crocs just enter into it and they're not gonna go away or gators excuse me i think it's gators right gators thank you 
um, get in there and she's got to like be in there and save her dad. And when we had Matt Bronsdorf on draft and horror comedies, um, I think he was talking about like, um, the symbolism in the film, right? It's this, the, the house was where, um, her parents had, and she had grown up, but her parents are now divorced. And so it's the symbol of like, you know, their, the relationship for, for her parents, it has like, you know, um, been destroyed just as this house is being destroyed. And she's trying to like save this like relationship she has with her dad by physically saving her dad who is trapped in the house there. I mean, there's a lot going on there in terms of like metaphor and symbolism. So I think it's a really smart movie. It's a really tight, suspenseful film. And um, I loved it. I had a blast um, when I first watched it and I've watched it again, um, you know, maybe like a a few months later uh, after the first time I watched it because it was just so fun. Um, Kron, what do you got? What do you got on crawl there? Yeah, I ended up rewatching this one for, preparing for this podcast. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it's like, I kind of had this one high on the list too, just based on my memory of it. Um, yeah. And kind of for all the stuff you touched on, like I love that this is just like one small confined area. So you're adding like an element of claustrophobia on top of this, like very real danger that is, you know, constantly around the two characters. It's just, waiting for you if you get in the water, you know? Um, and there were like, I was a little worried about going back to this one just for like how heavily it was probably going to be using CGI. But Mm. there's one little scene with like some spiders that get on her face that I thought like (laughs) looks a little dated now, but (laughs) it's like all the gator stuff really holds up. Like it looks good. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah. No, they look great. Yeah. Yeah, so this one was, I mean, this was on my list as well. Um, great selection. I, out of all the movies I watched, this was one of the funnest to kind of go back through. Oh, nice, nice. Yeah, yeah, and I think, you know, I think also speaking of the CGI, it, you know, there's a lot of darkness here, and I think that that probably is very helpful in um, in, in kind of helping that CGI look really good and hold up. Um, I mean, we're, we say hold up as a film from like four years ago, but I mean, I feel like there have been leaps and bounds in CGI just since then. So, absolutely, yeah, uh, yeah. Nick, anything you want to add to crawl before you uh, make your selection? Um. No, I mean, I think you guys touched upon it, and it was, like, uh, another one that I hadn't seen, saw in prep for this. Remember mm-hmm. Matt talking about it on the pod, obviously, before, um, so I kind of had that in mind as I was watching it, and, yeah, it was definitely high on my list. It actually makes the rest of my choices a little bit easier, but, yeah, what a blast. It's just, it's a really, really, really fun, tight movie, um, and uh, of all the movies, I think, on this list, possibly on, on my list, but I think maybe I'm speaking for all of us on the list that I've read so far maybe with the exception of jurassic park um crawl would be the one that i would like probably be most likely to revisit the most it's that mm. kind of a movie um yeah it's yep. just so yeah it's fun. a great rewatch yeah yeah it's awesome um all right well you're up nick all right well both of your picks i feel like i could follow up in an appropriate way because i think i have one that like Jurassic Park, I would have to go to the commissioner for to see whether it's genre appropriate. Um, okay. But I also have like a single location one that really follows crawl nicely. So I don't know which one I should go with. 
Um, I'll probably, you know what? I think I'm gonna I'm gonna save the other one, uh, the one that may not be a horror movie, and I'll go with the single location one, which is um, also debatably an animal attack movie. We'll see. Frozen, Adam Green's Frozen. Oh, um, nice. That's which, on my list. If you yeah. Google animal, yeah, like so, it shows up. Although I would argue that they're not really the main antagonist of the film at all. They're just mm. a big component of it. Um, so I don't know if that counts, Commissioner. You should. That's you rule that. I have not seen this, but if it is a movie that features an animal attacking a person, we're good to go. Okay, Which I, then I yes. believe does technically happen in the film. I think at least. Well, I think it happens twice. Maybe. I think it happens so, twice. Spoiler. Yes. Yeah, so yeah. Um, yes. Okay. Great. So we're good. Um, <laughs> Do you know the premise of this, uh, Cron? Uh, is this the one where they're like skiing and get stuck on a chairlift? Yes. Oh, it's yeah, a big so- misunderstanding. I'm referring to the Disney princess movie. <laughs> Oh wow! Yeah, the musical out of left field. Yeah, yeah. You, you remember the part where Sven like just pierces somebody with his antlers? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah so I, yes. I guess I am at least aware of this movie, but I wasn't able to get to it for yeah for viewings. Look, it's wildly inaccurate in terms of how wolves actually are in real life. But <laughs> setting that aside. It is actually a. I really like this. Now, granted, I have not rewatched it, but I had a blast when I watched this, and I found it terrifying. So, Nick, I'll terrifying. let you. I'll let you discuss your pick, but I, I love this pick. It was on my list too. Oh, I'm well. Thank you. I'm glad you like it, and that I'm not the only one who considered it horror. Um, yeah, it's. Um, look, it's been a while since I watched it, but I did when I first saw it. I liked it so much, I immediately rewatched it. Um, you know, I like showed it to my wife because I was like. It's always fun to see a movie that you like so much with someone new. Um, I remember she really liked it. It's just, um, you know, it's Adam Green's, I think, second feature. Maybe he did another one. He, he did Hatchet first, which, I think you so, know, yeah. was fine. I'm sorry. No shade at Hatchet. It's just not my favorite. Um, but it's perfectly serviceable. But this was like a surprise to me because it's just an incredible. And we talked about, I talked about on our last episode um, with, uh, with the Attack of the Final Girls. Um and the um, the final girl drafting that uh, like single location movies when done well are just as good and as effective for me as any big budget blockbuster. I mean, like mm-hmm. they're just this is just such a tight film. Like use of literally one. It's not even just like one large location. I mean, this is just like they are confined to the smallest possible location that <laughs> yeah. they could be in for most of the movie. Um, you know, it could have been shot on any set anywhere, and yet. It is one of the most tense movies that you will ever see. Um, it's just, I mean, it's such a simple premise, but it's brilliantly handled. Um, it was not the movie I expected Adam Green to follow Hatchet with, uh, but I'm so glad he did. So, uh, yeah, I, I loved it. Borderline animal attack movie. I honestly would not have thought of it for this list had I not actually Googled animal attack movies and been like, oh, yeah, right. Yeah, no, I remember Frozen. And I, yeah, that that does happen. It's just, it's not a main component of it, but I think it, it happens frequently enough but but that it but probably it, counts i'd say it is a main component because one of the reasons they're not just stuck on the lift like even if they get down from the lift they're facing the danger of these wolves who are basically sitting there waiting for waiting. them like vultures like hoping a, a a morsel of human falls to them that they can tear to shreds so um, i'd argue yeah. the one of the one of the two main threats comes from animals and there is actual animal attacks in it. So, yeah. Right. And I, I, I agree with everything you've also said, Nick. I mean, what a challenge to not just make a single location horror, but to make... 
you can't go to a different room. You can't change the angle to a different side of the room. You're literally just stuck on a chairlift. And the fact that this like succeeds as well as it does is I think perhaps the biggest testament to Adam Green as a filmmaker. Because, oh, yeah. you know, Hatchet is fine. I'm with you. I've only seen the first one. I haven't seen the rest of that franchise. Uh, you know, I, I, I wasn't a huge fan of Hatchet, but I love, like, independent horror filmmakers, and I love Adam Green. He's a New England guy. Like, I always want to see horror succeed, no matter what it is. And Absolutely. But this film, to me, was just like... This is a showcase of how good of a director he is because that is a super effective. And the sound design really mm. sells so much of this film. Yes. You know, when people have their hands like, I don't want to give anything away, but they're kind of, it's it's cold up on a chairlift when you're skiing, uh, you know, on a mountain. And so hearing people try to like pull their skin away from like frozen metal is just like sickening in this movie. And uh, it's really killer. I recommend it to anybody. Yeah, I, w- I would say um, that, you know what, actually Fall from last year, the movie Fall, mm-hmm. is a, probably a fair comparison in terms of like premise and execution. Um, yes. And I loved Fall as well. So I think if you liked Fall and you haven't seen Frozen, I would highly recommend you do so. Yes. Yeah. And I liked Fall too. I think I'd probably put Frozen above it, but definitely if you were a fan of Fall, check out Frozen. It's a very similar type of horror film that you would probably be into as well. Definitely. Cool. All right. Great pick, Nick. Knocked Thank it you. out of the park. I loved it. Uh, <laughs> Kron, you've got the final pick of the third round, and then you're going to get the back to back with the first of the fourth. All right, guys. Uh,. <clears throat> For my third selection, going 1978. All three of mine have been in the 70s so far. Who who could have guessed? Uh, This one's directed by Colin Eggleston, uh, and it's called A Long Weekend. Have you guys seen this? No. Uh, Oh, man. This movie, like, I watched it for the first time preparing for this, and I was kind of blown away by this. Um, It's another... I, I believe it's Australian, um, but it is just literally the shittiest couple of people ever to exist. Like it is a husband and a wife and they are both just like miserable, um, terrible people. Like, and their whole thing, they're, they're kind of like city dwellers. Um, they're like, Oh, we should get out of town for the weekend. Like go back into nature. And the entire time, like, on their drive to where they're going, uh, the husband just like runs over a kangaroo with his car. Like he's kind of looking down, uh, looks back up, just trucks through it. But it's like, even when they get to where they're going the whole time, they're just like throwing cigarette butts on the ground. And like, they find, uh, like an Eagle's nest and the woman like breaks one of the eggs on the ground. And it's just like, these people do not respect nature. They are like, mean to each other they're mean to everything around them and at some point nature just decides like you don't get to live anymore (laughs) so um it's like a multi-animal attack like there's a bird that attacks them um there's like a little uh almost looks like a armadillo or something like uh i'm sure there's an australian equivalent that i don't know the name of but um it like attacks the husband at one point Uh, And there's, like, another crazy scene where he's kind of, like, surfing out in the water. uh, 
and his wife is like she can see an animal behind him and at first they think it's a shark so he gets back onto land and like shoots the animal in the water with like he just shoots it with a gun and it turns out to be this thing that's i I think it's called like a dugong it's like a australian it looks like a small manatee um but it's like an endangered species oh and the the movie gets like very very like surreal and creepy because at first it's like this thing washes onto shore and then like the next day it's closer to their camp like this dead dugong animal um so it's like it kind of has this almost traditional setup and then just goes into like this really surreal like are these people, were they alive to begin with? Like what is even happening anymore? Um, but I don't know, man, I was just like blown away watching this. Uh, and cause it, it almost makes you feel like it's going to be one thing and goes a completely different direction. Um, but yeah, I long weekend. I, th- this was like a great first time watch preparing for this. Oh, that's what awesome. year is this from again? Uh, 1978. Okay, I have to write that down. That sounds like fun. The The premise sounds very similar to another 70s animal attack horror film, which is uh, very interesting. I won't mention it, obviously, because it's on my list, but that's uh, it's crazy. Something was in the water in the 70s. I mean, I mean, mm-hmm. obviously, you know, the, the environmental movement was going on, so we saw... I mean, we talked about it on the eco-horror episode with Matthew Chernoff, like a lot of kind of horror um, films based around that in the 70s coming out. Um, doesn't doesn't hurt that Jaws came out in seventy five, <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah. You know, yeah. just like Halloween brought in so many slasher clones. Uh, you know, Jaws brought out a bunch of uh, of uh, animal attack horror as well. But that's great. That sounds like a blast. Um, I'm very curious how surreal it gets in the uh, in the film. That'll be interesting once I can check it out. Yeah, please do. I, I feel like this one is a little, you know, under the radar still. Um, yeah. And it's like well worth a watch. Uh, all right. Great pick there, Kron. But you got the back-to-back here. You got the first pick of the fourth round. All right, guys. I really took positions four and five on my personal list to honestly really get some personal picks on here. <laughs> so uh, we are into, you know uncharted waters at this point um for number four i've picked a movie from 1983 this one's directed by george p cosmatos uh it's called of unknown origin all right you guys heard have you heard of this movie i've heard of it heard of it not seen though this is basically robocop versus a big rat like okay that's awesome that's all the description you need um (laughs) It is, uh, and RoboCop, because it's uh, Peter Weller, is the, the main actor in mm. this. Oh, I um, see. It's I not see. it's not like a robotic guy. It's I not. A, oh, okay. To, <laughs> but, yeah, oh, yeah. okay. All right. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's like, um, I feel like this movie is a little uneven. Uh, like, I loved, absolutely loved the first half of it. And the second half, like, doesn't quite live up, um, mostly because the second half is just a man fighting a rat for, like, <laughs> 45 minutes, um, which like it works in, you know, various degrees of, uh, of enjoyment. But the first half is honestly like super interesting because, uh, Peter Weller, Weller's character is this kind of like high profile. Um, I don't know. It seems like he works in like finance or banking, but, mm. um, he's like super high up with his company. 
kind of get that sense that, you know, if a 40 hour week is regular, this guy's putting in like 75 hours. Like Mm -hmm. he just lives at the office. Um, Him and his wife uh, and his kid, they have this like super nice apartment in New York city. Um, Wife and son go on a vacation and he just like, there is a rat in the house. And for the first like 45 minutes to an hour, you just see this guy devolve into like becoming obsessed with this rat. Um, and it's really fun. Like it's awesome. Uh, Cause at first he's just like, Oh, this is annoying. I'll set some traps up. And by the end of it, he's like building armor for himself. Uh, so it's, it's really a fun movie. Um, and like I said, second half might work for you. Um, it's not as much fun. And they draw a lot of like, Moby Dick comparisons, which is like, well, that's a like five ton animal, and we're talking about a rat here. So, um, but yeah, like there is plenty to enjoy in this movie. Um, so if you're looking for something that's like a little off the beaten path, this would be an excellent way to go. <laughs> that's excellent. awesome. Is it as is it as epic of a battle as uh, his some of his later films like Rambo: First Blood Part Two would be, or uh, or is uh, it more just the rats hiding most of the time? <laughs> I mean, the rat definitely like like comes at him. I mean, the rat is not afraid to fight a full grown man in this movie. So okay, um, but I don't know if the action will like live up to Rambo or okay. Tombstone or anything. But um, all right, yeah, if. You want to see, and the rat's big. I don't mean to downplay the rat. It's a good size rat. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's, there's definitely like some blood, some violence. It, you know, it goes fairly, you know, hard at the end for a, for a man V rat movie. Nice. <laughs> I am remembering that right, right? Cosmatos directed Rainbow First Blood Part Two. I didn't just make yeah. that up. Okay. <laughs> yeah. He did one of them at least. I, I mean, I'm yeah. pretty sure that's the one. Yeah, I don't think I he did the I'll first one. Yeah, but because uh, I remember he was attached to Running Man, but it did they didn't do it with him. And then he did. I do remember that he did Tombstone, but isn't that the one where everyone says that Kurt Russell like secretly directed it? Basically, yeah, that, that's always kind of the thing where the rumor. it's like Cosmatos was like there to get a check essentially, and Russell was doing pretty much all the heavy heavy lifting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, allegedly, that. allegedly, I don't want to get allegedly, sued. That's yeah. the rumor I've heard. I'm not stating that that's what happened. <laughs> uh, it is First Blood Part Two. So. First Blood. Okay, gotcha. Oh, nice. he also did Cobra. So, oh, sick. There oh, there you go. So Stallone is his muse. Okay, it looks that way. <laughs> Could you imagine Stallone in this film in '83? Shredded. Uh, if they had had a bigger budget to like really amp up the action, uh-huh. hell yeah! <laughs> I just and imagine. I would, I would love to see him play the banker at the beginning too. That's like <laughs> super into his job. Hey, let me tell you, you know, look, I watch out with those derivatives. You know, like what I'm saying. <laughs> I have no a deriv- Hey, you're an accountant. Are derivatives something in finance? Not a word I throw around a lot, but you know, I'm sure someone does. <laughs> All right, I'll just, uh, I don't know. Just pulling words out of out of nowhere, I guess. <laughs> well, that sounds great, man. I, I mean, that sounds like the type of wacky role that Peter Weller would do. Um, yeah. Although this is, this is pre-RoboCop Peter Weller, so that's pretty yeah. interesting. 
Um, cause it feels like after RoboCop, he kind of wanted to move away from like that and get into like weird stuff, you know, like naked lunch comes after RoboCop and stuff, right? Like, yep. doesn't he go? Yeah. And, uh, oh, okay. Interesting. Peter Weller seems like he's got, he just likes to mess around and do weird shit. So I love it. Excellent. Uh, Nick, you're up, sir. The second pick of the fourth round. All right. Um, Look, I am uh, running a little low on my choices here, and I hate to do this, Brantley, and I might not be doing what I think I'm going to do, but I have a feeling I might be taking something off of your list based on what you were saying after uh, Kron's third-round pick. Um, Ah, okay. Which, uh, yeah, which led me to believe that your movie was uh, 1977's Day of the Animals. Yeah, that's the one it reminded okay. me of. That was on my list, which um, Matthew Chernov drafted yes. when we did Eco Horror, and that led me to watch it. Uh, yep, me too. Because, <laughs> but very a very similar premise. Yeah, it's basically a bunch of crappy people in nature, and nature's like, "Hey, fuck all of you!" <laughs> and like, yeah. every animal just starts attacking them. But I, anyway, it's your pick. I'll let you talk. Yeah, about no, it. I mean you you covered it. This is um, uh, William Girdler directed it, and it is a. I guess I would call it a spiritual successor to Grizzly, which he directed a year before, which is basically a similar movie, but only with one animal. So, like, what's the point if you know that there's a sequel with a bunch? Um, but I watched both, and uh, this one is uh, Day of the Animals is definitely the, uh, the stronger one. Um, it is about um, something is fucked up with the ozone layer, which, you know, very ahead of its time, this movie. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, for whatever reason, it's causing anything above a certain altitude to go crazy so mm. that has it's like right. they're in a national park or whatever so all of the animals there but it also starts affecting the people too um which is the reason to see this movie absolutely is to see in inexplicably shirtless leslie nielsen go <laughs> fucking crazy it's the best part. and he plays like a villain and it's amazing so like yeah if you see this movie for no other reason and there are a lot of really good like it's very impressive what they did with all the animals i mean it's like real animal photography and um yeah. all that stuff and so like that is cool to look at but not as cool as leslie nielsen going like ape shit so and in a truly vile yeah. villain that, that he becomes he's a really horrible person so yeah, yeah. that but that's the best part uh anyway Kron, <laughs> i'll let you oh. jump in i saw you had someone to say there yeah. well i i watched about half of this movie um <laughs> preparing for this but doesn't the title card at the beginning say like because we've shot so many aerosol sprays into the ozone layer <laughs> i feel like, like it's that. something weird <laughs> yeah. like that where like, it's like very specific yeah like yeah uh, if you're if you've been using WD-40, you're the problem. It's like, yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, it's like WD-40 and hairspray, and mm-hmm. within the last few years has really just done some damage. Well, that was like the big concern, like in the 70s, you know, that eco, the, the ozone layer, but like the aerosols, I feel like in the 70s into the 80s were like, you know, that was like such a big, you know, worry about it. And, and now we can look back from the 2020s and say, huh. It was everything, and mostly corporations. <laughs> how, <laughs> you know? how great they had it then. Yes, really. When it was just yeah. the aerosols fucking things up. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no yeah. wonder they could get a. No wonder they could get away not wearing as much sunscreen back then. They had so <laughs> yeah. much more UV blocking in the ozone. I uh, mean, as evidenced by Leslie Nielsen being shirtless. Shirtless, so yeah, much. He's go. not worried about anything. <laughs> so yeah, Cron, if you only watch the first half, you missed this part of the movie, right? 
I did not get to shirtless Leslie oh, Nielsen, oh boy. which I'm really <laughs> bummed out to hear that's waiting in the second half. I should have just, you know, stuck this one through. Yeah, yeah, should have powered through there. But uh, yeah, that's it's quite the uh, scene there. So I don't want to say anything else since you haven't seen it. So, But yeah, this just, is a great pick. I was running out of time at the end, you know, trying to squeeze <laughs> movies in. So Story of our life, too. Yeah. <laughs> I hope uh, I didn't steal this from you, Brantley. I'm sorry. No, I had to, I'm running low. You're fine, man. I had it on the list, but I've got plenty of stuff on the list here, so you don't need to worry about that at all. all. Right. Um, okay, well, that means I'm up here with the final pick of the fourth round, and I'm kind of not really sure exactly what I'm going to pick here. Uh, oh, no, I do. Um, uh I mean, I don't think I should need to get approval from the commissioner on this. Um, Kron, I was going to be pick Deep Rising with Treat yeah. Williams here. I believe this is a large underwater, like, tentacle, like, octopus-type creature. I don't think it's an alien or anything. I'm pretty sure it's just an underwater, massive creature that yeah, uh, this, is taking out the boat. I think this totally counts. It's presented right. as like a, you know, something in the depths that's never been identified before. So, yes. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Which I, funnily enough, I had another underwater horror film that kind of had an unidentified species that like escapes and comes after them on my list as well. Uh, you guys, I believe on the five day rentals podcast have covered deep rising, correct? We did. This was like a pretty early, early episode yeah. for us. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> but yeah, I think, like Bones loves this one, um, right? And here I think too, me, yeah. me and Dan were kind of <laughs> a little more on the fence. Uh, it is really fun though. Like it is. I, I don't mean to knock it. Like uh, I had a great time watching it, but Bones, you know, is like a, a step above where. Yeah, I think yeah. I could land. <laughs> well, I'm with Bones on this, and I feel like Bones and I sometimes really align strongly in some of our picks, and uh, and I, I'm with him on this one. I mean, I look, I love a schlocky fun silly ridiculous movie and deep rising is is definitely that i mean this is not high art in any form whatsoever but it is a lot of fun um and uh if you haven't seen it i i think people should check it out if only for the the wild jet ski escapes they try to do at the end um and yeah it's it's so ridiculous i don't even want to get into the plot because it involves like a heist and stealing stuff from like on there and like this like you know bad guy crew and stuff but uh, really you're in it for like trying to escape off the boat for this giant underwater creature um nick have you have you seen deep rising now is this the is Pierce Brosnan is in this? Am I mistaking this no, for something else? No, what movie this is am I Treat Williams. Um, what um, are you thinking of? Uh, oh, Deep Impact any... or something? Oh, oh, well, he's in um, Dante's Peak. Yes, Dante's Peak. Film? But okay, no, I don't right. know what the hell I'm thinking of. But um, yeah, no, I'm. I have no idea. So no, the answer is no. I've not seen it. <laughs> okay, but it sounds fun. It is. It's it's really fun and silly. So. Uh, and that seems to be the theme of a lot of my uh, picks is, is fun and silly. Well, ticks. It's certainly it's certainly similar to ticks in that way. Uh, so like anyway. The, the boat that it attacks to is like on the level of the Titanic. It is yes. like a boat that is so <laughs> massive and like built for rich people that it is <laughs> comical. Yeah, yeah. It's like this massive cruise ship that, uh, that attacks. So, and, and you know... 
in perfect schlocky fashion, the, the, the creature is exactly where it needs to be, when it needs to be, can fill an entire ballroom when it needs to, but is also not in like a corridor that they can easily <laughs> get out of sometimes. So plot wise, it really, you know, adjusts to the size it needs to be for, for the plot. Uh, but it is, it is uh, really fun. Uh, oh, there's, oh, sorry. There's go also ahead. a great part where I feel like they're like their radar is malfunctioning, but at the same mm-hmm. time, treat Williams is playing solitaire on it. It's like, Dude, just close your close the game. Like, you need the radar so much more. Yeah, uh, yeah it's uh, it's got that kind of stuff. <laughs> so be prepared for that level of of uh, uh, characterization, I guess. Um, anyway, so yeah, that that's a, a fun pick. Um, and I'm really tempted to stay in like another fun kind of silly. Oh man, I feel like a lot of mine are in that kind of that kind of fun silly realm, at least to one degree or another. Uh, okay. So this is gonna be my final pick of the draft, and just to change things up, because I some of the things on here I took in the final. When we did Eco Horror, I drafted a couple of these movies. And just to kind of switch it up, I'll, I'll go with something else. Um, I'm going to go and take another Gator film. Not to be the Gator guy on this podcast here. But I'm going to take Lake Placid nice. uh, for my nice. final pick. Um, uh a ridiculous movie um like a couple other of my choices have been um real silly characters at times in it some weird also like some weird um humorous moments in it like with a decapitated head being tossed at someone almost as a joke um which is wild or betty white using um real colorful um language um in it uh, but it is a very fun movie. Uh, Bill Pullman, um, uh, Brendan Gleeson plays the sheriff, which is very interesting too. Uh, this Irish actor playing a, a sheriff in this small American town. Um, why am I blanking on the name of single white female who is the main star along with Bill Pullman? Cron, help me out here. Uh... Bridget Fonda. Bridget Fonda. Thank you so much. Jackie Brown, single white female. Bridget Fonda. Uh, I think everyone in this is great. Oliver Platt is so like right. silly and ridiculous in it. I mean, it's really got like a pretty stacked cast for like a you know mid to late nineties film. Um, and just the stuff with the with the the gator is is awesome. Gator or crocodile? Is this one a crocodile? Uh, yeah, I think this one is a croc because it's like it yeah. crossed. It crossed an ocean to like yes. park itself at a lake for some reason. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, that's the other ridiculous thing about it is it it came through salt water to get here, um, but it is. I mean, it's stupid and ridiculous, but it is very fun. Um, so I, I think people should check it out. And it's silly. And I'm passing up a couple other titles that I'll talk about in the honorable mentions. Just because I either drafted them on eco horror or, um, you know, like didn't 
didn't quite rise to the level of Lake Placid for me on this on this one. But uh, there you go. That's my uh, that's my final pick, Lake Placid. I think Lake Placid two is like under ninety minutes. Like it just <laughs> it moves. Like nice. there's not an ounce of fat on the movie. Um, it it is kind of schlocky, um, but. It doesn't really give you an opportunity to get bored either, which is no. great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it, it definitely books for sure. For a second, when you said that, I thought you said Lake Placid Two is yeah, and, or today. something to the effect. I thought you were talking about the sequel. Yeah, me too. <laughs> like the sequel's under ninety minutes for a second yeah, uh, there. Just well, it might be, but I know number <laughs> one is for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, Nick, have you seen Lake Placid? I did see it when it first came to video. My memory of Lake Placid has nothing to do with the movie. I remember being in New York City for some reason around the time it came out, and that movie opened against American Pie. I actually don't know if they mm. opened on the same day, but they were playing at the same time. And I was in like Midtown, and one of the small theaters that had two screens, I just remember seeing the marquee, and it was just American Pie and Lake Placid. Um, mm-hmm. And for whatever reason, that's my vivid memory of the movie. I did eventually see it. I feel like it was overlooked because Jason Biggs had sex with a pie that summer and everyone was talking about that. Um, yep. So that's unfortunate. But it did get a bunch of sequels. So, you know, yeah. I think it, in the end it won out. Although American Pie got a bunch of sequels too. But you know what? It won out. Um, <laughs> yeah, I have no... Ma- I, honestly, until you just said it, I totally forgot Oliver Platt was in it. And that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And he was great. He plays this really kind of like sleazy uh, business guy, basically. I don't, forget what he does for work. Is he like a... Like a weird academic gosh do you remember crime is he just like the rich guy that shows i i feel like he does something where he's like funding uh fonda's character's research team almost that's why i thought he was a weird academic yeah he's he's a rich guy who is funding her academic work i think that makes that's it yeah i think that's it because yeah he's he's just like walks in like you would imagine any like billionaire would walk in like thinking they like you know, own everything and like don't have to take anyone's shit, basically. That kind yeah, of think, thing. I think he like flies in in one of those helicopters that can like land on water, and then he has a <laughs> he has a tent that is big enough to hold fifteen people, and you can stand <laughs> fully upright in it because yeah, they're having yeah. like a dance party in there at one point. I think he does. Yeah, uh, yeah. But anyway, there you go. That's my final pick, Lake Placid, um, Nick. You have the second pick of the fifth round. Okay. All right. Here it is. This is the one that could be vetoed. Um, This is a movie that is for sure not a horror movie. Um, It's not a good movie. Probably shouldn't be on my list. But I'm going to pick it anyway. Um, This is a movie that I own on Blu-ray and watched for the first time in prep for this and never want to see again. That being said, I'm glad that I own it. It's one of those movies that I'm really happy to have. It is 1981's Roar. Um, mm. I don't know, Kron, have you seen it? Or do you know if it's okay? to? to is it allowed? Yeah, I've seen Roar. Um, I mean, I guess I would count it because like, it, it's like real violence in a way. You know, it's like real unscripted, um, like people were in peril. Uh, yes. So... Yeah, I I mean, I think this counts. I feel like, I don't know, it's one of those things where it's like, it's not technically a horror movie, but you are, like, frightened watching it, so. 
Um, that was yeah, my takeaway. Like yeah. <laughs> it was like, and also Draft House Films, it never got a US release, I don't think, until um, Draft House Films put it out like a few years back. And, um, you know, they recut the trailer, but they it, it, the trailer is absolutely a Grindhouse trailer. Um, mm -hmm. So it, it's very deliberately builds like kind of a horror movie. Uh, it just isn't one. Um, but yeah, like of, of all the movies we just talked about, like by far the most actual violence happened on Roar. Um, Jan de Bont, uh, who also, who shot this movie, but also shot another movie that I'm surprised hasn't been picked already, um, was scalped by a lion and uh, had 200 stitches to put his head back on, basically. So, um, and that was one of like 70 injuries on the set. It's just... You know, what is it? It's a, I honestly don't remember what it's about. It's about, it's not a horror movie. There's no plot. It's just, you know, some people live on um, a big plot of land in Tanzania and they have tons of big cats, tigers, lions. They all roam free. It's like a sanctuary for them. They go in and out of the house um, and they have some people coming to review a grant or something and then you know it's just a bunch but it was all filmed like completely uh it's full over the course of many years um and uh with you know virtually even though it had like a 15 million dollar budget was it was basically just like a handful of people making this movie um so there was no safety precautions of any kind i mean these people were really living there and like all the animals are real uh are interacting with the people and it's crazy. Um, so in that sense, yeah, like the horror of the movie really comes from like knowing that everything you're seeing on screen was really filmed by actual people um, and that most of them wound up getting really badly hurt. Um, and it's nuts. It's absolutely nuts. Like I don't remember anything about it except there's like a few scenes with, you know, people driving around in a car. It's like a Jeep with an open top and two tigers are just hanging out in the back seats. And like it's all real, it's freaking nuts. Uh, so it's it was worth a watch. It's a terrible movie, but uh, very cool to see. Um, I think of all the movies on here, I, the one that I'm most struck by in terms of its production because it's just like it's absolutely insane to think about. Um, so yeah, hopefully it counts. It's not a horror movie. I feel bad picking it, but you know what? I think it belongs on this list. I feel like it belongs on my list. I'm drafting from the heart. I think it's a great pick. Um, I don't know. This movie is so interesting. Like I, I almost hate to say this because people actually got hurt making this movie, but it's like the scenes of this where it's just people talking. You get to the point where you're like, man, I hope an animal shows up again and gets this thing going. Like I'm getting bored here. Yeah. <laughs> because the animal stuff is crazy. I mean, it yeah. is alarming. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Have I have seen not seen this. Oh, no, okay. I haven't seen it. I know of it. And I know, I remember when that like Blu-ray came out. Cause didn't it, the, um, the movie came out and then like the documentary about the making of the movie, like also came out around that same time, I think something like that. Um, which it, perhaps is more entertaining probably, <laughs> <you know? laughs> based on, based on the comments about the movie so far. Um, but and, and and of course it's just it's it's reputation precedes it. I mean, like yeah. I mean, knowing all the stories and all the people who got hurt on the set of it, uh, um, which is just wild that they kept filming it over so many years when so many people got hurt on it. Um, yeah, they just kept getting hurt. So 
And it's bizarre it's because it's like, it sounds like, I mean, it sounds on paper and looks like just like, apart from the plot, it, like an exploitation movie, like where these animals mm. were probably being treated terribly. But the reality is that everyone involved was actually very much advocating for the protection of animals like this. And they wound up starting like an organization, I think called the Roar Foundation or something afterwards. So, so it's like, it's bizarre in that sense too, because like, you know, none of these animals were actually harmed. It was just the people. Yep. Crazy. Yep. Absolutely. All right, Kron, you got the final pick of the draft. Take us home, sir. All right, so if of unknown origin at number four was verging into, like, this is something only Kron would pick, number five is deeply in that territory. <laughs> uh, I've selected from 1988, directed by Graydon Clark, a movie called Uninvited. Uh this is a killer cat movie. It cost a grand total yes. of $200,000 to make. And the thing that I really love about this movie is in every scene that features the cat, you, you can literally feel the director on the other side of the camera going like, like like just begging this thing like please look at the camera like like please cooperate um and i mean it does get to the point where it's like they'll just insert a sound effect of like and the cat is just like like cleaning itself i mean there's nothing happening um yeah so it is this very uh like slap together no budget kind of movie um but I guarantee if you watch it, you will have a good time. Outside of the cat stuff, a lot of the people stuff is great too. There's a scene where these guys are working in like a galley kitchen of a yacht. Um, so like all this cat murdering people thing happens on a yacht. And <laughs> Amazing. these guys in the kitchen, like, you know, the two hot girls that are on the yacht walk into the kitchen. And it is literally a scene of these guys being like, oh, the kitchen just got a lot hotter. And then the girls say, like, yeah, this kitchen is pretty hot. And it, it gets to the point where you're just like, please, someone say hot one more time because we've said it nine times in two minutes now. Um, so it's just, I mean, the writing is, like, completely ridiculous. The the killer cat is, uh, I, I had a laugh every time it was on screen. So, um it's well worth a watch though. Like, you know, you will be entertained watching uninvited. It does not get boring. So there you go. Uninvited. Nice. Uninvited. That yeah. I awesome. haven't seen it. I, I, I've heard of it because I, I want to say some, one of the, I, I, you know, listened to a couple, uh, bad movie podcasts covered it. And the, the fact that they're on a, it's a boat, right? With where the kitchen is with their, yeah, yeah. Yeah. They're on like a big yacht. It's kind of, you get maybe 20 minutes of like a little setup before. And then the rest of it mm -hmm. is on this rich guy's yacht. Yep. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. As soon as you were describing it, I was like, oh, that sounds very, very familiar. Mm -hmm. um, so anyway, all right. I'll have to add that to the list. Uh, just wrote that and of that sounds unknown amazing. Yeah. Origins. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's great. Oh, right. All right. I that one too. I've unknown what a what a what a way to end it. Uh, to recap our draft, uh, our guest Cron Howard took Phase Four in the first round. He took Jaws in the second. Long Weekend in the third. 
of unknown origin in the fourth round and the and no just uninvited in the just final. I was about to uninvited. Say the. Yeah, yeah just uninvited <laughs> excuse me uh nick took black sheep in the first round razorback in the second frozen in the third day of the animals in the fourth and roar in the fifth uh, in the first round, I took Ticks in the second, Jurassic Park, then Crawl in the third, Deep Rising in the fourth, and Lake Placid in the fifth. That concludes the Animal Attack Horror Films with Cron Howard. Uh, I mean, if we were going to do a Reach and Steal, which, you know, sometimes we do, sometimes we don't. I mean, I think the Steal is easily Jaws in the second round. Yeah. I don't <laughs> think there's any real debating on that one. No and question. hey, I'll own up to it. First pick in the whole draft being Ticks. That's probably the reach of this draft no matter what, but you know what? I, I couldn't care less because I had to get ticks and I was going to pick at number one no matter what. Kron, I mean, where would you have drafted that if you were even thinking about drafting it? Uh, ticks? Yeah. I, I could have slotted it into that like spot five for me personally, that kind of like gotcha. this is purely something I enjoyed and <laughs> you know, uh, most people that watch it might not have the same reaction, but yeah. So, so I drafted the is the number one overall choice in the entire draft. Something I could have gotten in the fifth round. <laughs> I think that perfectly sums up what a reach is in one of our drafts. I, I think it's good though. Like yeah. making something number one. Like we all picked a number one that wasn't Jaws, and it was exactly. You know, I I think a lot of people that you know would listen to horror drafts probably know Jaws. I don't think everyone knows phase four. So it's like, mm -hmm. yeah, put the one you like the most right up front. Exactly. You know, right. it's, it's, we, the, we, we draft from the heart on this episode. That's our motto as anyone who's listened knows. And, uh, yeah, I, 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 I have no qualms and am, am not upset at all that I took it at number one overall when I could have got it in the fifth. It's their statement picks in the first round. That's what we all did. Mm, so yeah. there you go. <laughs> Uh, but before we let you go, Cron, um, you know, we talked about reaches, we talked about steals, we plugged the wonderful Five Day Rentals podcast, uh, but let's talk about your uh, your undrafted free agents. Who are some of these honorable mentions you would have signed to your team after the draft was over? Uh, I'll run through three real quick. So, Brantley, I'm amazed we made it through this episode and Trimmers didn't come up. Uh uh, big, oh, big worms underground. I mean, it definitely oh. would have been like a prehistoric animal, you know? That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you know what? I think I didn't even think of it because it, it wasn't like an, gosh, but Deep Rising falls into that category. So why didn't I think of that? Holy hell. I, I, this is going to, I'm my whole day tomorrow is going to be messed up now as I think about how I didn't even put tremors on my list here i think it, it just was such a fantastical like creature that i know didn't exist that it didn't come up but then deep rising was on my list so holy shit cron you know, it, wow it, it was my first alternate and i was like brantley's definitely gonna take that so you know i kind of just left it on and let it go but uh yeah i definitely had tremors <sighs> written down mm -hmm. um Cujo, which I actually watched yeah. for the first time for this. Um, that was the one that Jan DeBont also shot that I was referring yeah, to. Yep. I figured that was yeah. going to be picked. So it's kind of disjointed. Like I feel like the first half and the second half are really separate movies. Um, but mm. I don't know, man. When that dog starts going wild, it, <laughs> like, it is scary. So yeah, yeah. Um, Cujo was definitely an alternate for me. And then, so this last one, um, I had eaten alive on the list which 
it's like I don't know if it totally works, but it also makes a lot of really cool choices. Um, like mm. everything is so red in that movie and just like just washed out. In it, it looks like they're standing under ten thousand exit signs at points. Like it is that like saturated <laughs> with red color. Um, so it it kind of drags on for me. Um, but I don't know. It's there was a lot of interesting stuff in Eaten Alive. So. <laughs> Those were kind of like my top, you know, you guys got some of the ones that I had on the list, but those were the three that were kind of still hanging out there. Nice. Yeah, great picks. I I truly have no idea how I never thought to put Tremors on there. Um, wow. Uh, there were There's a, a couple. Um, I had Cujo on my list as well, um, uh, which is interesting having done the research for it for With Gorley and Rust and like, you know, finding out how they did like a bunch of stuff in it and all the behind the scenes stuff is kind of interesting because you watch that film and you're like, it's hot as hell in that car. It was freezing. And they like hated getting the glycerin, but they had to put the glycerin on them to make it look like they're sweating and everything. Mm-hmm. And like eventually D Wallace was like, you have to put a heater in this car, both for her and for um, Dan, the, the the kid there. Um, yeah. Cause she's like, it is freezing. They have to have their, like he has to have his shirt off at times and everything. Um, so they, they were able to find heaters small enough and quiet enough that they could put it in the car just cause it was freezing when they were shooting. Um, and the way that they did the dog was so interesting. They used obviously real dogs, but then they had like guys in dog suits for some of it. And they had a, uh, like a, uh, a molded dog head, but like on like a, like a pneumatic, um, like almost like a battering ram. So like when it slams into the car and stuff, they're kind of cutting between like a guy in a dog suit. And then also, uh, the, the dog head on like a, uh, uh, metal bar that just like is uh, mechanically operated to slam into the side of the vehicle and stuff. So uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty interesting. There's a lot of fun behind the scenes photos too, like the guy in the dog suit and stuff like that. So uh, Cujo is, is great. I think the best part about Cujo is D Wallace's performance. I think she just, I mean the, the, the child actor there like really kills it too, but, but D is I think the, the best part because like you mentioned it is a kind of disjointed film even though like the terror that they feel from the dog is like very palpable in that second half um, it's just it could it could have used a little more consistency I think throughout um, there was a couple films on my list that I drafted during the eco horror draft so I just didn't draft them on here just for a little bit of a difference uh, and not just being like um, exactly the same Obviously, I drafted ticks in both, but like Arachnophobia, Deep Blue Sea, and Piranha, I think I drafted on the Eco Horror, so I left those off my list, um, off my draft, even though they're on my list. Um, They're all fantastic films. I I love them, and Deep Blue Sea and Piranha and Arachnophobia, to an extent, both kind of fall into that a little silly and schlocky kind of, you know, vibes that a couple of my movies did. Um, And then... One of the other ones I had on my list that was underwater giant creatures like Deep Rising was the more recent underwater film with uh, Kristen Stewart. Um, I don't know if either of you guys watched that one, uh, but that was, I, I like that movie a lot. I thought that was a blast. Um, so I'd, I'd recommend it to either of you if you haven't seen it yet. Nice. I remember the trailer. Yeah. Cool. That's really yeah, new, right? Yeah. Was that last year? No, no, it was um 2020, 2021 maybe. Oh, okay. Um I don't know if it got um delayed with um covid stuff. Oh, sure. Um let's find out. 
I was also worried about like overlapping with the eco horror episode. So I, yeah. like I list, I re-listened to that episode and just wrote down the titles and I was like, I'm just taking these 15 off my list altogether. So, Oh, yeah. gotcha. Gotcha. But yeah, I mean, arachnophobia definitely, I think would have been up there for me too, but I was just like, mm. eh, they already talked about it. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, but oh, underwater is the 2020 film. 2020. Yeah, so I think that came out like shortly after the pandemic. So I think it was like a like late spring. When did that come out? No, no, it came out right before the pandemic really went full swing. It came out in January of 2020. Uh, yeah, I okay. feel like that one yeah. was in theaters when like stuff was shutting down. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. So. But yeah, it's it's pretty good, man. Nick, if you if you haven't seen it, you might you might dig it. It's real like tense because they're on this underwater mining rig. So they're basically like at the bottom of the ocean, but so they're not in like a boat. It's like this self-contained like living facility and mining and working facility. And um, it's basically like these earthquakes start happening that like just messes up the facility. So water's starting to get in, like pathways to get out are like caved in and stuff. And so it's like basically like trying to escape the um, underwater uh, living and working facility primarily. And then once they get out into the actual ocean, then they realize that there's these the earthquakes aren't earthquakes. They're these giant like creatures who have like been awoken essentially from um underneath the seafloor who come out oh, and nice. everything so yeah oh, that sounds that like yeah. sounds a lot of fun okay yeah nice. yeah it's dope very cool any uh any honorable mentions for you nick i know you said your kind of list was pretty it was it was yeah there were, i mean i had cujo on my list too uh i feel like my feeling about cujo the film was i guess much like my feeling about the book which was like meh hmm. it was hmm. you know it's, it's fine like, yeah. and if I had to pick, I, I feel like the movie was like a slightly inadequate adaptation of the book, which I already wasn't crazy about. But, you know, it's still pretty. There are parts of it that are great and uh, it's not yeah. a bad movie by any means. Um, but, yeah, it didn't quite make my list. Um, well, Stephen King is happy they changed the ending. I'll say that. Oh, he, I don't he thinks remember. it works. Oh, in the book, the son dies. I don't remember that at all. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, and in the movie, you know, like I mean, not to spoil this movie from the '80s for everybody, but um, <laughs> in the in the movie, you know, the son lives. It's really close. Like you think he's gonna die, um, cause he's having a you know his attack and stuff in the car, and she has to finally like just leave and get him inside because she just can't stay in there anymore. Um, but yeah, like I think the producer was like one of the producers, was like Stephen, like. <laughs> we can't do this movie and kill this kid at the end. And Stephen King was like, after the movie came out, it was like, yeah, you, they were right to do that. <laughs> he thinks it's a better ending. And um, it's up there with one of his favorite um, adaptations with like misery and stuff. And I think one other one he's pretty happy about, but, uh, but I could yeah, see that. Cujo and misery are up there as, as two of two of his favorites. I remember that from my research. I could see that. Yeah. I mean, I yeah. do remember it being pretty accurate. Um, and uh, yeah. Yeah. By no means a bad movie, just I, not my favorite. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't have it on my list, but I saw when I was like looking up animal horror, someone mentioned Pet Cemetery, which like I felt was like a borderline pick because uh, it's really not about yeah. yeah. So I didn't choose that. Um, I had Kong Skull Island, which I fucking love. Oh, one of my favorites. Yeah, of the last few years. Yeah. I mean, it's just a great movie, but also Gosh, I kind of felt like borderline. And lost. you had King Kong on your eco horror list, so um, yeah, the original. Uh, and like last but not least, I put the fly, but that's like more of a humanoid 
you know, it didn't quite feel like an animal one. Otherwise, I would have absolutely had it like close to the top of my list. I love that movie. But yeah, yeah, I I really considered The Fly as well. And to me, it was like, well, The Fly is almost like as much of a victim, you know, as exactly bundle is and it like yeah he just kind of gets stuck in that machine and it it's like as bad a fate for him as it was for mm-hmm. for seth so very yeah true. i kind of yeah. ruled i ruled that one off too because it was like uh, the fly wasn't really like malicious i mean yeah he's a victim <laughs> yeah exactly that is very true yeah cron Thank you so much for coming on the pod. Uh, tell everybody where they can find you or your wonderful podcast online. Oh, man. You can find me just every single week in your podcast feed. Uh, the show is called Five Day Rentals. It's me, my buddies Bones, and Laundry Dan. And we uh, general setup is we kind of pick a movie or a category. Uh, could be anything. Could be... Um, big rigs and we all got to pick movies about trucks so you know we kind of set up the category each one of us picks a film we go through the plot we talk about what we liked what we didn't and that's kind of the show uh both Brantley and Nick have come on for basically an entire series of mm-hmm. of films and I don't know we got to get you back on at some point to to do Hell it yeah. all again so yeah I'd love to I, I I'm trying to remember I believe our category was Microsoft, more like micro hard to kill. Yeah, and it was about uh, robot. Any any kill, robot or killer cyborg. tech? Killer yeah, tech. Killer yeah, tech. yeah, yeah. Killer tech. Yep, absolutely. Um, and I was just I I was struggling to remember because I think even during the season, the you the three of you different hosts were <laughs> were like struggling to remember exactly what the name of the category was as well. Yeah, that one became like a. Yeah, Microsoft. I, I think there was even a thing before Microsoft. There was like a top title, and that was like the subtitle of the category. <laughs> so, um, there you yeah, go. show is called Five Day Rentals. Um, get it wherever you get your podcast. And it's an absolute blast, folks. I mean, <clears throat> if you like a premise for a podcast where uh, three guys work in a video store and then end up watching movies based on the categories that Cron was talking about, where they do some fun and humorous improv uh, in the beginning, and every once in a while very famous directors show up or other kind of weird eccentric characters, uh, this is the podcast for you. It's it's an absolute blast, and uh, it's a... Uh, required uh, listening for me when it drops on Sundays. So uh, we wholeheartedly recommend people check out the five day rentals podcast. All right. Well, uh, everybody uh, that is going to wrap up this episode of the horror drafts podcast. Uh, We did it. We drafted animal attack horror films with the wonderful Cron Howard. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast, Cron. Oh, thrilled to be here and I'll be, uh, you know, Asking you where the horror drafts episodes are going forward. Okay. So, <laughs> well, hopefully, I don't, and I, you know, I don't think it's one hundred percent confirmed, but we should have one, if not two, people lined up for episodes soon. So, fingers crossed uh, that you know we'll have another episode out pretty quickly here. I just I don't want to say anything on mic until it's definitely a hundred percent confirmed. Uh, but yes, we're. <laughs> We should have another horror drafts after this episode comes out for you, Kron. Um, 
You're welcome. <laughs> and uh, we hope you all enjoy it. Uh, and uh, we'll see you next time for a mo- for a draft I, I can't talk about. But we'll see you then. Bye. The song you heard in this episode is You Are a Monster by Monroeville Music Center. It's being used under a CCBY Creative Commons license and was accessed from freemusicarchive.org. If you'd like to hear more of Monroeville Music Center, you can find them on Bandcamp, their Facebook page, YouTube, Spotify, Pandora, Apple Music, Discogs, iHeartRadio, and Deezer. And hey, if you want to reach out and communicate with us, please send an email to horrordraftspod at gmail.com or find us on Instagram at horrordrafts, all one word. We'd love to hear any questions you have for us, suggestions for topics to draft, or ideas for guests, especially if you can put us in touch with them. Thanks everyone, and we hope to hear from you soon.